The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, everybody. It's me, Ryan Wilson, joined by John Breach. Will Brinson is MIA, but that's okay. He'll be back tomorrow. We'll just assume that. Johnny Breach, it's draft season, just over two weeks into the draft. How excited are you about the prospect of Matt Ariza being a second-round pick, the punter out of, South Dakota, so, uh, out of San Diego State? Uh, I've already got a cake pre-ordered for the event. Uh, this is gonna be big. I've got some footballs. I'm gonna go in my backyard and punt as soon as Ariza gets drafted. Uh, and you know what? If he's a first round pick, I might go out and buy an Ariza jersey. You know what you ought to do? You ought to even do, if you know, he's drafted by the Steelers. Like they have the baby reveal where you pop the balloon and it's either pink or blue. You should do a a Matt Ariza reveal where you punt the football at, that's a balloon that explodes with the colors of the team that you think should draft them. What a genius idea! I'm gonna plan it right now, Wilson. But why wouldn't if he doesn't get drafted by that team, then I just wasted a good football. <laughs> no, it's a balloon that, that this painted to look like football. Have you ever punted a balloon? It hurts. All right. Maybe the idea was better in my mind than no, I like that. I'm just kidding. Once I said it out loud, because clearly you, sir, are a moron. Uh you're, quickly you're the draft analyst. I'm on board with any of your draft ideas. How many kickers and or punters, maybe even long snappers holders, do you legitimately watch? So you have an idea about the draft. Any of them, just so you have an idea once the free agency rolls around, the undrafted guys are signed, or do you just, as it happens, then you look them up? Uh, I mean, there's the thing is that you just don't have a lot of good kickers. The kickers don't get drafted. It just doesn't happen often anymore. Teams just want to wait till after the draft and then sign them as undrafted free agents. That works out better for the kicker because they can pick their location, and it works out better for the team. Because, you know, we talk about this with quarterbacks a little bit, where if you draft a quarterback this year in a class that's not great, and that guy, you don't know that he's going to be better than your starter. You know, what if you draft Kenny Pickett near the Panthers, and he shows up, and he's not better than Sam Darnold? You're like, oh, my God, we are back at square one. We're behind square one. that problem is even more exacerbated with kickers, except that it's not, it doesn't get, you know, the headlines, because you're not spending a high draft pick on kickers and you're not giving them uh 20 million dollar fully guaranteed contracts. So I will be surprised if we have more. I, I would put the over under of the amount of kickers drafted at two. All right. Two more questions, special teams questions as we run everyone off this draft podcast and then we'll get going. Um, would you trade Evan McPherson for a second round pick? 
No. Would you trade Evan McPherson straight up for Justin Tucker? No. Oh, that's what I wanted. That's a sound bite. That is going to go viral. Well, you know, here's the thing. Is it Justin Tucker? Justin <laughs> is Tucker is 35? the best kicker is in the NFL, but he is 32. So oh, he's only want... 32. He's got eight years left. And you know what, though? McPherson, we've seen kickers have great rookie years. And then Jason Sanders, the Dolphins, a good example. And then just for whatever reason, uh, it's consistency is the key when you're a kicker in the NFL. And that is why we see kickers change teams so often because they have up and down seasons. Tucker's really the only guy who has not had a down season. They're all up. I mean, your guy, Chris Boswell, one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL ever uh, had that ugly season, what, 2017, 2018, where he only made like 60% you know, of his kicks. You know how he got back on track? How? Got off social media. I mean, that will do it. You don't want to deal with death threats after you miss a field goal. Yeah, I think that is uh, a lot for your mental health. But yeah, so I don't think anyone would ever spend a second round pick on a kicker nowadays. You know, there's no Buccaneers out there trading up the draft for Berto Aguayo. Um, nice. But, but you do know that your kicker is good enough that you wouldn't trade him away for a set. You know, the Ravens, I don't even know if they would trade Justin Tucker away for a first round pick because once you realize you have that advantage over other teams, like that's a great advantage to have in your back pocket to have a better kicker than 99% of the NFL. Fair enough. Those are the answers that I was looking for because uh, I'm looking for you to go viral on social media, kicking Twitter. I'm looking forward to that. All right. So actual draft talk. Um, if you like the podcast, please leave a five-star review. You can leave a question uh, on Apple for our mailbag and obviously leave a five-star review on Spotify. If that's where you listen, wherever you, you listen, leave whatever the highest uh, review you can leave to make us feel better about ourselves. All right. Mock draft talk. Preacher did a three-round mock draft on Monday, and it was – Pleasantly received by most teams. I heard fans. Jets fans hated it. Jets fans, not so much. I got a couple sources on Jets Twitter. They weren't thrilled. They were not thrilled, and that's putting it kindly. So I had the Jaguars taking an offensive lineman. This time, usually I have them taking an edge rusher. And then um, in round two, I had him taking uh, an edge rusher, George Karloftis out of Purdue, a linebacker, and then a tight end. Um, any thoughts on the idea of passing on an edge rusher first of all and taking an offensive lineman if you're Doug trying to help out Trevor? No, I don't think that's a, you know, everybody thought that, hey, look, the Jags tagged Cam Robinson. They sign uh, one of the top guards in, uh, in free agency. And so, uh, you know, Brandon Scherf will be good. I'm sure he's been one of the best guards in the NFL for the past few years, but look, that doesn't mean you have an A-plus offensive line. You've got holes to fill, and if you can help your starting quarterback, uh, I think you should do it. I don't have any problem with that. So if, if the Jacksonville ends up drafting Evan Neal, or you have uh, Iquanu there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, e either one. I, either I think, one, that's right. I, I was thinking of Prisco's mock draft. Sorry, Wilson. Same uh, difference. But yeah, if, if you take an offensive lineman there, I don't think that's an issue. I think that you want to get Trevor Lawrence as much help as possible because he's the key. If you're going to be winning Super Bowls, it's going to be because of Trevor Lawrence, not because you took Aiden Hutchinson. He might help. But right. Trevor Lawrence is the guy who's getting you there, so you need to get him help and and, and then build from there. That's your foundation. And BMAX has made this point as well. Um, <laughs> I'm going up the wrong mock draft, so we'll move on quickly to the other thing. I was reading <laughs> yesterday's mock draft because I had to refresh the, the rundown. BMAC made this point as well yesterday that um, you play so much sub-packages now that 
you have Caleb on Chase on he drafted in the first round a few years ago. You have Josh Allen, he drafted in the, in the first round a few years before that. You're not going to have all three edge rushers on the field at the same time if you're a nickel or, or in dime. So um, I think that's actually a pretty good point. I love Aiden Hutchinson. I think offensive line makes that team better immediately, and the Jaguars have shown that you can take a bunch of edge rushers and still win two football games. Um, so anyway, if you want to see the rest of the three-round mock draft, that's just a glimpse going over to cbsports.com. And if you're a Jets fan, go over there with the uh, expectation that you're going to be very, very, very angry. All right, here we go. I'm at the right rundown now. Perfect Jets, draft. Jets fans don't want Trayvon Walker. What's the deal? I think they really have Kayvon Thibodeau, who goes to pick later, I think, okay. in my latest mock draft. And then what really got him fired up is at number 10, they take Trevor, uh, Trevor Penning, um, the uh, offensive lineman out of Northern Iowa, FCS program. And I don't like Penning that high. I know some teams like him in the top half of the first round. I would be fine taking a wide receiver there, and I think that would make Jets fans happy. Again, uh, Wilson- we're teasing the rest of the podcast. We're going to talk about that. Oh, ooh, sorry. All right, so let's get to the perfect ooh. draft picks. That's a nice segue, Breach. All right, so Breach and I have a couple of names here that we think are perfect draft fits. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the first round, um, but it can be. All right, Breach, let's start. I'll let you go first. So you you give me your first pick. I think we teased it with the wide receiver talk. What do you think? Yeah, we were just talking about the Jets. I hope the Jets fans are hate listening right now to, for Wilson and what he did in his mock draft. Uh, you know what? I don't have the Jets taking a Wilson pick at 10th overall, not taking an offensive lineman. I have them taking a wide receiver. Mm. Um, I think that Garrett Wilson would be a fantastic fit for the Jets. I know we actually got a, a mailbag question the other day about taking Garrett Wilson at number four overall. I do not think the Jets should take uh, a, a wide receiver with the fourth overall pick. I think you take your biggest need at fourth overall, whether that's, you know, you have them taking Trayvon Walker, whether that's defensive line, uh, edge rusher in the secondary, whatever it is, you pick up your biggest need. You do not take a wide receiver. You have uh, plenty of guys in there. You know, you have Elijah Moore, you have Corey Davis. You don't need to take a receiver with that fourth overall pick. But once you get down to 10th overall, I think that is the spot where you say, all right, let's make this offense better. Let's help out Zach Wilson. Because a lot of these things with quarterbacks and the things you need to know is, is this your quarterback of the future? Yes, Zach Wilson's only going into his second year. But you, if you put enough weapons around him, you've got to know if he can play. And I think Garrett Wilson is a good fit there, especially, uh, you know, like I mentioned, with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. And so if you put all these solid weapons around Zach Wilson and he's still only thrown for 2,000 yards – then you're saying, uh, bye, Zach, we don't need you anymore. And, uh, you know, I don't think the experiment would end that quickly, uh, but you need to get a good idea. And you know what? You look at the Bengals. Of course, I have to bring up the Bengals every podcast. Mm. But you look what they did. They surrounded uh, Joe Burrow with three stud receivers, Jamar Chase. They drafted Jamar Chase, even though they already had Tyler Boyd, even though they already had T. Higgins. So that wasn't something they needed to do. Uh, they could have taken an offensive lineman, play Sewell's right there. But no, they said, we're going to go with Chase uh, and look what happened to that offense. It hit the next level. So I think that's what the Jets should do. And I think they would be hoping uh, just to have half the success that the Bengals had. So you mentioned number four, probably don't take a wide receiver there. I, I'm going to look back quickly. Last year, obviously, you mentioned Jamar Chase. He went fifth overall, then Jalen Waddle went six. I think both those picks worked out year one. Devontae Smith went 10, but that's not a top five-ish uh, pick. 2020, the highest player drafted was a uh, wide receiver. Henry Ruggs went 12th. Um, 2019, it wasn't Hollywood Brandon to go to 25. I'm trying to see some other ones here. 2017, you mentioned this. I think he's on the roster. Corey Davis 
he went fifth overall to the Titans. Clearly hasn't worked out as a fifth overall pick. Mike Williams went seventh. He's had a better a better run in Los Angeles slash San Diego. You could argue, that obviously, that the quarterback situation may have something to do with that. And then at number nine, what's this guy? John Ross. I never oh, heard boy. of him. I thought we agreed to never talk about him <laughs> or bring up his name ever again. And then 2015, Amari Cooper went fourth overall. You know, I'm still not convinced he's he was worth the fourth overall pick. He's a really good football player, obviously. Um, Raiders traded him to Dallas. But would you take him fourth overall, even knowing what you know now? No. I don't think so. Kevin White, seven. Obviously, you wouldn't do that either. And we'll look at a few more here. Sammy Watkins went fourth overall in the 2014 class, which is absolutely loaded. Odell Beckham, 12th. Brandon Cooks, 20th. Kelvin Benjamin, 28th. Jordan Matthews, 42. Devontae Adams, 53. Allen Robinson, 61. Jarvis Landry, 63. I think the other lesson there is, Breach, that you can probably find guys later in the round or even later uh, in the draft as opposed to a top five pick. I think the, the Bengals didn't get lucky with Jamar Chase. They got lucky that Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase was there. They didn't they didn't roll the dice and just get the guy that they didn't think. Well, he and would. also the, the receiver, that was a loaded class last year. I mean, right. three receivers in the top 10, and they were all worth it, you could argue, with uh, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith also. So, yep. I, I think, Even Devontae, yeah, you said Devontae Smith. That's right, yep. So, you know, you, know, you don't want to pull a, what the other New York team did with Kadarius Toney, uh, who maybe didn't he justify. Might be right. Yeah, and he could be. You know, the jury's still out on him. But yeah, I just think that the top, the fourth pick is just too high to take a receiver. Yeah, I'm with you. By the way, uh, Adi Joseph, managing editor uh, on the editorial side, would trade McPherson for Tucker and a second rounder. Now he's just talking crazy, but that's okay. <laughs> Come on now, would you do that? I would trade McPherson for Tucker and a sec. Yes. That's crazy. No one in there, right? Actually, the Saints might do that, but unfortunately, just you think Tucker- John Harbaugh is going to call up the Bengals, a, a division <laughs> rival, and say, All right, awesome. we want your guy, Evan McPherson, so badly. We'll give you Justin Tucker, who probably has six good years left and a second round pick. And uh, you give us Evan McPherson. Return. That's what you do when you're trying to get fired. He's not trying to get fired. He's actually trying to get Lamar to sign his extension or sign a- an extension. Uh, all right. So my perfect draft fit. Two picks later from number four, the Panthers on the clock at number six. He sort of mentioned it earlier. Do you take a quarterback at six on a team with virtually no offensive help around him, starting with the offensive line? Obviously, there's there's Christian McCaffrey there, Robbie Anderson. There's some players, but good Lord, that offensive line is straight up dog doo-doo. If I'm at six and there's one of those three offensive tackles there, Evan Neal, Iki, Kwanu, Charles Cross, and every single quarterback in every other position available, including Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, I'm taking Charles Cross. And it's not even close. We just talked about the Jaguars. You can take all the edge rushers you want. If your offense sucks, your team is not going to be very good. And it starts with the offensive line. That's the case in Jacksonville. That's clearly the case in Carolina. And as you pointed out, Kenny Pickett's going to roll into Carolina and Sam Darnold's going to be the better athlete. Then what? And then what do you do? And then you're like, okay, just don't do athletic things around Kenny Pickett so he feels better about himself. And then it's a whole thing. So I was talking to um, a team the other day, Breach, that said, and they're, they're not the Panthers, they said they would rather have Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield over Kenny Pickett at number six. Yeah, I, I don't think that is crazy. I think if you're the Panthers, you're either thinking, all right, we need to go in. Like, do you actually think any of the quarterbacks in this draft are better than Sam Darnold? Because 
even if you're on the fence, you can't draft them at six overall. You cannot draft a guy who's going to go in and look worse in training camp than Sam Darnold. And then you're back at square one, except you don't have the sixth overall pick anymore. So you look even stupider. Uh, I just don't think you can do that. I would be surprised if the Panthers, you know, like call up the Cardinals, say, do you want our sixth overall pick and, and all our first round picks for the next two years. So we can have Kyler Murray, like do something crazy. What you don't want to do. Well, they tried to, no one was interested. (laughs) It's true. Try to get the shot. But what you don't want to do is draft a quarterback who is basically a lateral move from Sam Darnold. So I like this. I like getting Charles Cross in there. Upgrade the offensive line. And, you know, maybe if Sam Darnold has an extra 0.3 seconds to throw, mm. he'll improve by 10%. So, also, uh, as you mentioned, if you burn a, a six overall pick on a quarterback, you don't pick again until 137. So you're just sitting there all of day two wondering if you made a huge mistake having buyers remorse and the guy hasn't even played yet. So I think you don't overthink it. Don't get cute. I know David Tepper wants to win, but you're not going to win by putting Kenny Pickett or any other quarterback out there and have them run for their lives for three weeks because after that they're going to get hurt because they're going to be running for so much. And then you have to go back to Sam Darnold anyway. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk more. Perfect draft fits on the Pick 6 Podcast. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Big Six Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you got to see that uh that real world commercial breach. That took me back. If you're if you're listening on an audio form, just know that you can watch real world on Paramount Plus, and uh, I was, I'm was i an OG real-world fan. Like, I saw the first season in New York, watched it multiple times. Um, crazy time to be alive. What's your favorite real-world season? Uh, you know what? I think the first season was, what, like 93 or 94? I was not old enough to be watching real-world. I believe. Yeah, it was, it was. I was a little too young for that. I think the first one I really remember uh was like hawaii there's a real oh god you are incredibly young because it was it was new york and then la then um san francisco london i think those were the first yeah it sounds right four and then boston was in there shortly thereafter i lived in boston right around the time they were there um anyway all right check that out on paramount plus if that's your jam We'll, we'll have our separate ryan wilson podcast where he breaks down each season of the real world by episode yeah that's after may, the draft ryan does not have time for that right now i may already have that podcast i just am not publicizing it all right 
Perfect Draft Fits, Part 2, Breach. You're up for, I believe, the New England Patriots. Yeah, you know what? I, I think that you look at what New England has been doing this offseason, uh, what they do. They let J.C. Jackson walk away in free agency without a care, as if they had some sort of plan in place. I'm not convinced uh, that they did have a plan in place because what they do, they re-signed Malcolm Butler or signed him again after uh, after benching him last time. Benching him in the Super Bowl, and so one place they absolutely need help is at cornerback. And so I think there are a couple corners. You know, you probably have a better feel for who would be available, and once you get to that 20th spot in the draft, I think uh, that both the names you have are, are exact good candidates. Then in that case, I'm going to go with Andrew Booth to the Patriots. And I think they need someone who can come in, kind of be an instant starter. Uh, you need someone who's a little bit versatile because Belichick loves just kind of shuffling guys around. He loves athletes. Uh, we saw that, was that last year when they took the Division Two safety, or was that two years ago? Two years ago, they took Kyle Duggar or Lenore Yeah, Ryan. Kyle Duggar and... Yeah, exactly. And they move Kyle Duggar all over the place. And so uh, what Belichick wants is athletes who can play in the secondary. And then that opens the door for him to kind of come up with these crazy game plans, you know, with against the Buccaneers and against Tom Brady, where he's just changing up the defensive formations on every play and changing everything they do. And the reason they're able to do that is because they have these super athletic guys who can kind of play anywhere on the field. Um, so I think Andrew Booth would be a really good fit in New England. Yeah, I love Andrew Booth out of Clemson. He actually had a really good season. He was injured for part of it, um, but played really well. You also had Kyra Elam on your list, a long, fast cornerback out of Florida. Really physical in coverage. Not quite so physical against the run, and that that ain't going to work in, in New England. It was sort of a curious thing to watch. If you're physical throughout the route, it feels like you could be physical coming downhill, but he, he wasn't a great tackler. But that doesn't mean he can't be. But uh, which, really- by the way, is why I took Kyer Elam off that list and had him going to my next team, which we'll tease, but we won't talk about now, because there Bill Belichick go. is not going to cut it uh, with somebody who can't tackle or who can't come up and be physical. I love that you sent him to a team that mm-hmm. that uh, doesn't value tackling cornerbacks. I can't <laughs> can't wait to see who that is. Uh, my perfect draft fit, and I mentioned him at the top because I was reading the wrong rundown. George Karloftis, the edge rusher out of Purdue, who. Could very easily be a first-round pick. I have him going 33rd at the very top of the second round to the Jaguars in uh, that three-round mock draft that I did on Monday. He could be 15 to 32, no problem there. I don't think he gets much higher than that. I talked to Scott about him a few weeks ago, and he's a really good football player, but he's not a a game-changing type edge rusher. He's not particularly explosive, and that's not a bad thing. He's he's strong at the point of attack. He sets the edge. Um, He's good against the run. He does a lot of the things that you want. NFL edge rushers to do, but he, I don't think he's going to come in right away and, and get 10 or 11 sacks. Uh, if that's what you're looking for inside the top 15, that might be, um, you might be disappointed. But I think if you're the Jaguars and you have a needed edge rusher, because clearly you do, you've been, we've been talking about Aiden Hutchinson for months now. If you can get a, 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 an offensive tackle, whether you're Kwanu or whatever, Neil first overall, shore up the offensive line like you talked about earlier, Breach, and then at the top of the second round, get the edge rusher. Uh, it feels like two for one because if you swap those, you take Aiden Hutchinson on top of the first. We talked about this on the podcast yesterday with Brinson. There's not going to be an offensive tackle there that that's going to be worth that value at 33 that can come in and start right away. Um, there's some guys there that you could take that that will have the possibility to be good football players, but nothing compared to what you get from Aquanu uh, or Neil or even Cross. So I think if you swap the 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 order of the the players in which you draft them and at the positions 
offensive tackle and, and edge rusher, you, you're working with something there. Yeah, and I like that logic, and more teams should think that way because if you have two big needs, especially when your picks are kind of separated, you have uh, the second pick and then you have, uh, or not the second pick, Jacksonville is the 33rd overall pick in the second round, and then also the first overall pick. And so if, you, if you're right there, and let's say you just mentioned it, if you take an offensive lineman in a draft where the top five offensive linemen might be off the board before the first round is over, and then you're stuck with like the 10th best offensive lineman with the first pick of the second round, then you're reaching. And you don't want to be reaching when you have the first pick in the second round. Uh, so I, I do think in that, like looking at it that way, that it makes sense for Jacksonville to go offensive lineman with the first overall pick and uh, pass rusher with that 33rd overall pick. So The great irony, of course, is that the Bengals passed on Panay Sewell to take Jamar Chase and then circle back and get, to get uh, Jackson Carmen. Um, who, is, who might need to be replaced this year. You know, that, I was going to say he didn't have a, he was a left tackle at Clemson. He kicked inside last year. He didn't play a ton. He played, he, how many games did he start? Did he start five games? I don't think he started. Uh, I mean, he got benched a couple times in okay. one game. Um, it was just the whole, that guard spot was just a disaster. I mean, he got better as the year went on, but again, you know what, you know why nobody noticed that? Because Jamar Chase. So if your first round pick hits and it's right. a home run, no one's really going to, you know, on the national scene, they're not going to be roasting you for getting your second round pick wrong. But yeah. if you get the first round pick wrong and the second round pick plays well, uh, nobody's going to be paying attention because they're going to be blasting you for messing up the first round pick. So you got to get the first round pick right, especially the, if you have the number one overall pick. And the other, not saving grace, but the other good news for the Bengals last year is that both those picks, Jamar Chase and Jackson Carmen, played on the same side of the ball. Whereas if they had taken... I don't know who was the best defensive player last year in the draft. I can't remember. <laughs> so, so negative. You, you got so many names in your head. Yeah. So whoever the best defensive player was in the draft last year, if they took him in the in the first round and he had 18 sacks, and Joe Burrow still getting sacked a million times, and they don't win a playoff game, they lose again in the first round. People are yelling and screaming about not taking Panay Sewell. I would imagine, right? Yeah, exactly. And I would say, what, maybe Micah Parsons would see the best. Oh, yeah. Player? So, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. They take Micah Parsons. He has 12 sacks and, you know, he's doing all sorts of things. He has four interceptions or whatever. And you still lose in the first round to the Raiders because Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times. Right. Are you saying we should have taken Panay Sewell? Uh, you're saying something. You're not, <laughs> I mean, you're not happy with how the season turned out. <laughs> right. So, I think it makes sense to have the, those players on the same side of the ball. That helped. Obviously, it helped taking Jamar Chase. That helped immensely. But the fact that that he was able to offset the the lack of of pass protection for Joe Burrow, whereas in Jacksonville, if you take offense, defense, or defense offense, you need one of those guys to hit and hit in a big way to overcompensate for whatever the other guy may not be able to do in year one. All right, you tease Kyrie Elam going to a team that hates tackling cornerbacks in the run game. I can't wait to hear this team. Who could it be, Breach? Oh, boy. I have Kyrie Elam going to, drumroll, the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm trying to point to my helmet there if you're watching on YouTube. There, I think my finger's there kind of. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I just think that he is probably a better fit for the Bengals. I think the Bengals have kind of three big needs that they would think about taking in the first round. Uh, a defensive lineman. Uh, with Larry Ogdenobi not coming back. They don't really have anyone in that spot right now. That's something they need to fill. Uh, we talked about Jackson Carmen, that offensive guard spot, and then obviously uh, someone at cornerback because, you know, you have Mike Hilton, you have uh, 
Awuzie, but you kind of don't want to have to really rely on Eli Apple. And uh, <laughs> I mean, he's stopgap corner. He's good enough to be yeah. in there. If they have One to use deal. him, he's fine. And so, but I think they would prefer to draft a corner here. And this is kind of what we were talking about with Jacksonville, where you look at, uh, look at the defensive linemen available in this draft. You know, there aren't a lot of guys that you want to be taking in the first round. So if the Bengals get to 31st overall and the highest rated guys, like the 45th best player in the draft, you know, you don't want to reach that far uh, for a defensive lineman. So I'm not sure there's going to be anybody there to take on the defensive line. Same thing. I don't know that you want to be drafting an offensive guard there. Um, you know, why not wait till the second round to get someone like that? So that is why I think they take Elam. And you know what? We talked about the fact that maybe a little bit trouble being physical and, and going up there and making those tackles on the run. But guess what? He can kind of get used to that at the NFL level. That's the good thing about having Eli Apple in there is that uh, Elam can kind of get his feet wet. It uh, doesn't have to be a day one starter because they can throw Eli Apple in there, but you want him to work up and eventually be that full-time starter. So I think the Bengals are a better uh, landing spot for Elam than the Patriots because, you know, Belichick's want to throw him in right away. You need to be crazy right away. You need to be ready to play right away <laughs> where with the Bengals, he, he'll kind of have a learning curve uh, and, and I think he'd be more successful there. So I, I was asking the scout about Elam back before the Senior Bowl, I think. I, I, I said, what do you think when you see a cornerback who's physically imposing but doesn't tackle well in the run game? And he said he, just might not, he might not be comfortable tackling. He may not have confidence in himself. And I think it, if you have good coaches and you can coach him, coach him up, I think that's something you can certainly overcome. The guy's only 22 years old or however old he is. He's going to get better. Just because you, you don't like things about college players doesn't mean they can't change. You know who else doesn't like to tackle? Ryan you. Wilson? Deion Sanders worked out for him. Not too shabby, and he has a head full of hair now somehow. So it's it's come full full the circle. Math doesn't add up. <laughs> that math does not add up. He so has Brenton's it, guy. It's funny you mention um, maybe not taking an interior offensive lineman there. I think Zion Johnson out of BC could be an option. He can play guard or center. I know some Bengals fans love the idea of taking center Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. Should he be there at thirty one? I had Kyer Elam going in my latest mock draft at thirty one, and I had uh, at least one Bengals fan who was apoplectic because Elam's overrated and that's I don't know where they got that from if that's their opinion or they just read it somewhere I don't think that's the case I think he's a he's a first round pick late first early second worst case um and what else well and real quick I don't like I don't think when the mom's gonna be available at 31 I think they'd have to trade up and get him if that if somehow he fell into their lap I like I would absolutely uh be on board with that even though they signed Ted Harris but I don't think he is falling that far all right well let me give you the, the the other two picks I had in rounds two and three for the Bengals, and you can tell me how much on a scale of one to ten you hate it. So I had at 31, first over, 31st overall, Kyrie Lim, we talked about. In the second round, I had him taking running back Isaiah Spiller. Oof. Now he's he's he is a dual threat, great catching the ball out of the backfield. Bengals fans routinely and roundly gave it a D minus F plus. Yeah, I just don't think running back <laughs> is a position I'm having them uh, draft in the second round. You know what? I, you know, I did a seven-round mock draft for the Bengals last week. Oh, who'd you have going in the second round? Uh, no idea. Georgia offensive lineman. I can't remember his name. Uh, Schaefer or Sawyer? Schaefer. There you go. Because he plays multiple positions at UGA. He played all five spots, you know, and, and I think he'd be a guard in the NFL. That's probably where he'll end up playing, and so yep. – yeah, my guard, but he also gives you depth in other spots if you need it uh, in a pinch. 
And so, you know, I think I had them taking a running back in the sixth or seventh round. So I don't hate the idea of them taking a flyer on a running back, but I feel like if you're grabbing someone in the second round, those accounts taking a flyer, right? So you're yep. okay. Right. Yeah. So you're okay with mixing full load and then Evans being the backup. That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like they, they have okay right in there. Like they love, they, they give Mixon's not out. The, he, Mixon is good enough to be, he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. You know, he, he yeah, puts but up worry about the, numbers worry about the mileage. There's definitely some durability issues. He gets banged up a lot. Uh, but I'm not looking to, you know, get another guy in there in the second round. You have Mixon under contract for three more years through 2024. Uh, so, yeah, I probably wouldn't do it the second round. Fair enough. All right. And then finally, I had him pick a Josh Job cornerback out of Alabama in round three. So you get two cornerbacks sandwiched around that pick that everyone hates. Yeah. You know, I think they need a corner in your mock draft. You have them getting uh, two corners. So I am not going to complain with that. I don't know a lot about Job, but you know, if you can play at Alabama, play against SEC guys every week, he's a pretty good football player. You have him taking two SEC corners. You just there want you to go. turn the Bengals in the SEC. Three yeah, SEC Bur players and Chase on offense, and you have three SEC players going to them in your mock draft. But again, if you can shore up the backside of the defense, if you're the Bengals, then you feel really good about your chances. Uh, avoiding division next year, maybe getting back to the Super Bowl. Uh, as Jesse Clark notes in, in the chat, he's half kidding, but also half serious. No point for the Bengals to draft a running back when, when Zach Taylor is going to use Samaji P. Ryan for everything. <laughs> I mean, we all saw the freaking Super Bowl when Joe Mixon wasn't even out there uh, for that final play or any of those key plays on that final drive. But uh, And Seymour makes a, a valid point. Bengals should trade up, take Jordan Davis, the 341-pound nose tackle for Georgia, and play him at corner instead of Eli Apple. And don't forget Jalen LeGrant saying, you know what, the Bengals just need to draft a head coach. There you go. They went to the Super Bowl. What are we doing? I love awesome. the fact that he's still there <laughs> as a Steelers fan. All right. Who is my perfect draft fit, you may ask, for round three? Going with Jameson Williams to the Saints. The Saints, no one has any idea what they're doing. They're at pick 16 and 19 now. They traded up with Debo's Eagles and gave them a king's ransom to move up a couple spots. And no, it's unclear what their plan is going to be. Uh, conventional wisdom would say maybe they'll package those picks for a quarterback. But, Breach, I think we've talked about this um, with all three of us. You actually brought it up, I believe. They're the team that traded back into the first round a few years ago to take Marcus Davenport, not Lamar Jackson. So who has any idea what well, you have doing? them taking quarterback with their first first round pick, right? Yeah. So I have them taking at pick 16, Matt Corral, who is my QB one. And as I, I've said, I said on HQ the other day, I'm going to start pumping up Matt Corral more because I've been sort of just going by what I think teams might do. And Corral probably falls to the second round. I know that that a couple teams like him, but this quarterback class is so average that I think it, it just varies depending on who you're talking to. But Jack I'm gonna start are going to blow this up in your face. You didn't pump up Mac Jones enough last year. Yeah. Even though you were hundred percent correct, you're going to go all in on this crowd thing. And he's going to be a bust. I well, it's only two weeks left. I haven't gone all in yet. I've been sort of lukewarm about all the quarterbacks, yeah. but I'm going to, I mean, I haven't going 16. So I'm going to, I'm going to PR him up a little better than it happened. So I haven't going. And I think it makes sense in new Orleans because Sean Payton's obviously gone, but Pete Carmichael still calling the plays. And that offense, I would imagine remains very similar. If you love Taysom Hill, and you talk yourself into that. Matt Corral seems like a layup because he's actually a quarterback who does all the things Taysom Hill does, but does them all better. And he's whatever, eight years younger. So that's that's the thinking there. But then Jamison Williams, the wide receiver that I mentioned, is my perfect draft fit. I have him going 19. 
and the reality is, Breach, he may not be there at 19, even though he suffered that ACL in the championship game in January, the national title game against Georgia. He's wide receiver one, and I think most people agree with that. Had he been 100%, Garrett Wilson's now my wide receiver one. Uh, I think they're pretty close. It is ironic that James Williams had to leave Ohio State to get playing time at Alabama, but here we are. Uh, and I think, what's the last thing we heard from Mike Thomas? Like, do we know what's going on with Mike Thomas? Yeah, I don't think he wants to be in New Orleans. Well, how come nothing's moved on that? I feel like he, he would be a, a top well, just trade a new coach. So, you know. But we haven't heard a peep. Usually, even when guys aren't doing it, like Aaron Rodgers, we got updates on Aaron Rodgers, even though many of them may not have been. The, close the to last true. thing we heard on that whole situation was at the combine. What do we hear? And Mickey Loomis said, we fully expect to have Michael Thomas back and we expect him to be healthy. Did so he say that before or after? Did he said before or after Pete Carroll said that we are not trading Russ Wilson. That's uh, a good question. He said it before they made all these trades to trade up in the draft. <laughs> so, okay, let me ask you: If you're trading two or three farms to get from uh, 18 to 16 and 19 or wherever they did there, what are you? Ta- what two things are you targeting? I'm not targeting a quarterback. I think I said that one time. I can't remember from the podcast or if I was just talking to myself, but like. <laughs> I just don't think this is the draft where you're mortgaging your future to try and get a quarterback. Um, I like the idea of a receiver. I think that Jameson Williams, you know, like you said, if he doesn't tear his ACL, he's a top 10 pick. And so because of that injury, he might fall into your lap at 19th overall. And that's a fantastic pick. Uh, But if you take a quarterback, here's the thing. You're the Saints. (laughs) You just signed Jameis Winston. Not that like he's your franchise quarterback for the next 10 years. You just signed Andy Dalton in case Jameis Winston's not ready for week one. So there's no reason to sign two veteran quarterbacks if your plan is to then draft another quarterback. And now you have three quarterbacks on your roster when, you know, is is Matt Corral just going to be able to blow away Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton? <laughs> you had to get Andy Dalton there. Yes, uh, no to Jameis, yes to Andy. <laughs> I, I just think that now that's same- a fair point because James is, I think the two year deal, um, he was playing his best football last year before he tore his ACL right around Halloween. I think he's going to be fine when he bounces back. He knows the system. The system's not changing. Just Sean Payton's not going to be there. I think that's fair. But then why do you trade up? Why do you trade up? Like, why did they get pull the extra second round pick? If you're or fine with James first round pick. Yeah. I think to do something like this. I mean, like you said, this is the team that drafted Marcus Davenport. Everybody thought they were trying to get a quarterback. But here's the other thing, Breach. You're not getting an offensive tackle at 16 that's going to be the top three guys. After top three, it drops off a little bit, and then you're you're sort of rolling the dice. What if you're packaging your first-round picks together to get a tackle? So you're going to – it's going to end up being three first-round picks because the one you had to give away next year to the Eagles or the year after, whenever that is. And a second-round pick, too, I think is part of There's something crazy. To go up to – now, if you're going up to number, if you're going to get one of the big three, that's one thing. But if you have to settle, quote unquote, settle for whoever number four is for you, Trevor uh, Penning, Tyler Smith, whomever, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think they go with a receiver and then. Then what? I mean, what if they just take two receivers? That would be hilarious. That would be insane to give up everything they give up. They gave up to take two receivers in a class that's deep enough where you get one in the first round and get one in the second round. Maybe you take a defensive tackle. You could, but again, I mean, maybe you take Jordan Davis. He's I available. I, I don't hate that. I guess, but again, you have to think about all the stuff you gave up. I don't know. 
Um, but I, I do like Jameson Williams because Mike Thomas, Loomis might think he's coming back. Thomas may have different ideas of that. There's not much depth after that. And I think you give James Winston a player like Jameson Williams and, um, and then with um, newly minted tight end Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, I would imagine, is coming back. Uh, we haven't heard anything about that. I also had them taking Luke Gedeke in the second round, who's the offensive tackle Central Michigan, plays on the right side, opposite Bernard Raymond, who we've talked a lot about as a left tackle. And then I had him taking running back Damian Pierce in the third round, at the end of the third round. I think it's a comp pick. So just to, as insurance against Alvin Kamara, whatever, if he has any legal repercussions from his offseason, or um, just to, to spell him in much the same way I was thinking about Isaiah Spiller and, and uh, Joe Mixon in, in Cincinnati. So that's where I'm at on that. No, yeah, think, go ahead. It's going to be one of the most exciting teams to watch in the draft, just because I don't feel like we have any idea what they're going to do. I think their hope is that an offensive lineman somehow falls in their lap and that Jameis Wayne falls in their laps. So given that there are no quarterbacks worth drafting in the top 10, how many trades do you predict will be will take place among the top 10 picks? <sighs> because there's not going to be a lot of demand to move up there. Unless it's for the, like the Saints and offensive tackle or the, the, the Packers or Chiefs for a wide receiver. I think that's the starting point. Or maybe if someone loves Kayvon Thibodeau and he slips to six or seven or something. I say the over under is one and a half. That's a good. That's a good number. Like I, I want to say under, but you don't know what these crazy folks are thinking that are desperate. You know, some people think crazy, and then we don't get crazy at all, and then it's just a yawn. Mm-hmm. All right, one and a half is also the number of quarterbacks taken in the top ten. Where are you going? Where are you going there? Uh, I think Detroit's a wild card. I think they. You know, I don't think they're taking a quarterback. Dan Campbell's out here blowing smoke, saying they don't need a quarterback. It's smokescreen season, Wilson. You know all about smokescreen season. You're the draft guy. You should have smoke coming out of your background at all times. during. I don't think they're taking a quarterback at two. They have 32 as well. Then I think they have 30, 34. Let's see. They have, yeah, 34. Two, 32, 34, 60. What's the over-under on quarterbacks? You said one and a half. The same as over-under on trades, as you said it. Uh, I'll say over. I think it's two. I don't know. It's gonna that that's how crazy it is. Like I just I just think because you have the Panthers, the Falcons, the Seahawks. Oh no, the Seahawks. Seahawks, yeah, Seahawks. Yeah, they're at nine. Confused because they trade the yeah, they're at nine. So you have Falcons, Panthers, Seahawks, and I think two of those three take the quarterback. And then Washington's at eleven, Minnesota's at twelve, Houston's at thirteen. I don't think they'll take one because of uh things like Davis Mills is their guy. So even through twelve, you could perhaps see a quarterback taken. I, I don't think Washington does it because all that smoke screen with Carson Wentz and then Minnesota did draft Kalamon last year. I'm not sure we're there on him. All right. I think that's it breach. We've got 41 minutes out of that thing. We're 19 minutes early from a typical Brinsonian podcast. I was going to say if Brinson was here, we would have another at least hour. This thing would easily hit an hour. We'd still be talking, uh, talking about golf and his trip to Asheville last weekend. He went to right. Asheville. That is a, yeah, he did. What if Brinson's just avoiding me? I feel like I've done a podcast with him in a, Three months. That could be a very real possibility. Have you been people... to... What? Have you been to Asheville? Uh, I have not. Oh, it's six hours from your house, I believe. Is that right? Spoiler alert. Don't ruin it for me. I might <laughs> think about going there. I might. It's a it's a great town. That's well, I actually planned to move to Asheville, but my directions got mixed up and I ended up in Nashville, Nashville. So I just stayed here. Yeah. That was the plan. Yep. Instead of six hours from Clay Travis, you're six <laughs> minutes from Clay Travis. 
Joke's on you. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this draft edition of the Pick 6 Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Brinson should be back then as well. And um, in the meantime, I think Breach and I will be back on Friday for Friday. a Monday podcast, a mailbag podcast. So just come back, talk more draft, talk more NFL. See you guys later. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.